doing the show on the road today. Something I have never done before. I hope it goes well. Doing it outdoors too. Two things I've never done before. In a different city. I'm in Austin right now. And I'm interviewing Tim Laelli. Very cool. Okay. We got some beers. Yesterday was the last day of Sober October for him. I didn't participate in that, but uh, yeah, should go good. We shall see. Get the setup. Okay, that's it. We're good. I think so. Yeah, as long as you're comfy. No, I'm always comfy. Super comfy. Yeah. Okay. Very cozy. Great. So I don't. I always start these very, very awkwardly. Okay. If, no you, if you've not seen any. Well, I know you've seen a couple, mm -hmm. but I'm always very awkward right at the beginning. And uh, I'm trying to, like I told you earlier, I'm trying to come up with like lists before I have these. Yeah. I did that a little bit, but uh, also kind of just want to hang out. So Yeah. I don't think you need a list though. Like, I think you can just start talking, like mm. just jump right into it. Like last night I watched the movie Parasite. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it was the most mind blowing movie that I think I've probably ever seen. Definitely top five. Parasite. Oh well, that Parasite. got a that got an award recently, right? Like, Wasn't that 2019's yeah, movie or whatever? It won like every award. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What was it about exactly? Uh, I think the best way to describe it is it talks about the classist systems and how you kind of get trapped wherever you're born. So hmm. um, moving in between like poor to wealthy is basically impossible. And it has a very realistic, like, yeah, that thing, those kind of things happen. But I think that it's more likely that you kind of die where you were born in a way. Interesting. So yeah. that's actually kind of what I was going to talk about at the end. Um, but you're just going to jump off into the deep yeah. end today. <laughs> no, we can, we can jump right into that because I love it. I mean, one of my questions that I've written down, I took from another show that was like one of the first podcasts I ever listened to called uh, You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes. And he always asks the question, where do you go or what do you think happens when you die? Mm. And uh, Dana Carvey had this really cool answer for him. He said, where were you during the Civil War? Because that's where I think that I go, wherever I was. I don't know, because I wasn't there. Yeah, we weren't there. Some no. ethereal. <laughs> yeah, we weren't there. Fairyland. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I honestly have a very, what I consider to be realist view of it. But some people would say it's pessimistic in the sense that I feel like when you die, Literally nothing happens and that's it. Like game over. You're done. Dead over. Yep. That's yep. what I think too. <laughs> yeah. I think anything more than that is just people wishing, like feeling like we're important and we're special and we deserve uh, more than what happens to the raccoon that gets hit on the side of the road and it's just gone now. Yep. Like I think that's kind of, that's us. We're the raccoon on the road. Right. And then that's mostly just because of self-awareness, you think. Right. Yeah, I think that because we have that level of consciousness, we feel like we are special and we feel like there's got to be more. Right. And I don't think it's bad to to have that view. I wish that I had that view. But if we're th saying what's true and what's factual, I think the closest thing to that is nothing happens. Nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. When did you when did you like start thinking about that? Like, were you did you grow up with religion and all that kind of stuff or so, no? Yeah. So yeah. I grew up I grew up Catholic. Um, and not for any, like, it's not like you choose to be Catholic, you know, you're kind of born into a religion and I appreciate that my parents gave me that or attempted to give me that in my youth. Um, but I just, when I was 19 probably or so, I realized that it wasn't for me and I left the church. And I think that probably 
even before then I had that that stance that you know yeah. I really don't think that there's anything more than this and anything other than than that is just wishful thinking for sure were you did it feel like it was forced on you because I have a distinct memory uh, we were Baptist and uh, I was chewing gum really really quickly because I was being pressured to get baptized like that day it wasn't a plan just showed up that Sunday and I was sitting next to my friend Preston it could have been it was either Preston or Austin sitting next to one of them and they were doing it that day I think they had theirs scheduled and then they were trying to loop me into it uh and then somebody gave me like a brownie they were like I'll give you a brownie if you do it and it was <laughs> like if you get baptized yeah okay yeah I'm pretty sure it was a brownie and they somebody I remember the gum part because they told me hey stop chewing so quickly like what's wrong with you I was chewing that quickly that they had to tell a 12 year old me to was was this like a lunch table discussion no it was in the hallway on like a like an extra pew that they had left over okay and behind me was the aisle I guess and you know, all the way into it. And it's a very, it's not like a giant mega church thing. It was a normal sized thing, probably no bigger than a basketball court. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, I'm just like right in that hallway, right before we go in and have like, I don't even know what we called it. I guess I'm just going to call it mass, but I don't think that's what we called it. Um, yeah. Right before that. So what it was what like, I, that was going to happen that day. What I'm most curious about is, was this a cosmic brownie? Or was this just like a homemade cosmic brownie? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the, I would have done it too. My favorite one. I <laughs> yeah. I would have gotten the baptism. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Ironic that it would be cosmic. So how do you feel about it? Like when you die, what do you think happens? You think just nothing happens? Yeah, too? same thing. Yeah. It seems like we have the same view on that. Yeah. But I mean, I optimistically would love to have. I'm honestly not too, I was never really too sold on the idea of like living with all these other people too that are floating around doing whatever they're doing, being blissful and happy. Right. So, I don't really like doing that here either. <laughs> so, if you believe in some sort of afterlife, do you believe that before you are in human form, that you are in soul form? So, do you believe that your Dan? Galvan, Galvin, Galvan. Whichever offends people least, I say it Galvan. <laughs> okay. Dan Galvan <laughs> will never existed prior to concep conception and birth, right? So basically what I'm getting at is you can only be born, you can only be added to this earth, you can never be removed. Because if you die and there is an afterlife, right? So you're here after you were born, but you were never here before. So there's just more and more souls constantly being added to the planet and they just never go away and they just continue to float around. Like, mm, but that's ex that's that's assuming that there only is this one world. Okay, so that's the Because <laughs> then we could go to the multiverse. Yeah, but if you, I feel like if you believe in traditional religion, you don't believe in the multiverse. You believe like this is it. Right. And then there's heaven after. No, I'm multiverse guy. Yeah, okay. Not well, that I fully understand it either. I it, mean, I have a very basic level of understanding of this for sure i think if we're going to start talking about multiverses we should break this sober october and yeah yeah <laughs> how many miles did you end up running after all anyway. um so i i walked most of them just because i'm prone to stress fractures and i knew that if i started running a lot then i wouldn't be able to run every day right so i ended up logging um 300 miles exactly 301 maybe okay um i got second place to jenna ferris who logged 
like 325 maybe. So she was like 25 miles ahead of me. Damn. Yeah. You definitely should have hit the ninja in the middle of the night move. Well, my initial goal was five miles a day. And then I saw she was crushing that. So I upped it to 10 miles a day. And then I saw she was still crushing that because she just goes out and would run a half marathon whenever she felt like it. Apparently. Right. Yeah. Possibly Tim Ferriss's wife. Uh, no, she's just I, out there crushing it. I don't think there's relation, but okay. she definitely does crush it in her own in her own realm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, do. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's go ahead and break it. Thanks. All right. So one full month. No alcohol. I did it. You sure did. Yeah, it wasn't bad. How, did you do this last year? We did this last year, right? No, this is my first year doing the full sober October month. I've never attempted it either. So it's not. Well, like you kind of did, right? No, I didn't. I Did, didn't so. we? We didn't do it in. We did like seventy-five hard. We did right. things like that. But wasn't that in October? I think it was around the same time. Oh, maybe you might have just did it passively. Yeah, I did. So oh, I made it fifty days. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I did. This is the second it. year of sober being sober in October. Very good. All right. Cheers, man. Cheers to you. It's this rotating hops IPA. Oh, it's fantastic. That is good. That's really yeah, good. Yeah, I can definitely drink that. I wish I could talk about it, but it almost tastes like apples to me for some reason. It's good. It's local. It's from here in Austin. Adelbert's Brewery. Adelbert's in Austin? I thought Adelbert's was somewhere else. No? I don't know. It says brewed in Austin on it, so I think it's from Austin. Oh, okay. I'm down. <laughs> they make my uh, my favorite Belgian double. I think it's called uh, Philosophizer. Okay. Yeah. I haven't had it. It's good. I uh, I log all the beers that I drink on the Untapped app. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yeah. When I was a beer snob. Yeah, you still, look, you still look like a beer snob though. Like, I, I don't know how. I you completely like, understand. I don't know how you look like this. And <laughs> are not a beer snob. See, it, it's in there. It's in there. Like that's why it took me 15 minutes to like look at all the beers and check the ABV and see if yeah. we're drinking similar things and yeah. all the things. Yeah. But, well, well, this is a good choice. Very good. Thanks for doing this. It's really cool. Thank you. Thanks for doing this, man. For sure. Back to multivi. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, so how does your family feel about you not being particularly religious? Um, I don't think that they. I don't Is this know. How I they're mean, gonna find out? No, no, no. I told. <laughs> see, that's a that's an awkward thing. I told my dad in 2014, I believe it was 14, on the on a phone call that I was an atheist, and which is kind of true, I guess. But also, I feel like the multiverse thing isn't really atheistic in a way i think that if you would if jesus came down to you and said hey man what's up i'm jesus and when you die there is heaven and you should do cool things i think that you would be probably christian wait what if jesus came down and was like hey man i'm jesus mm -hmm. right like stigmata like holds in the hands and was like <laughs> and was like i'm jesus right like you should go to church because if you make bad choices you're definitely going to hell like i feel like you would probably be in church the next day Listen, if if I've been presented with truth, yeah, if that's true, then sure. I suppose. Right. I suppose. Well, that's the other thing. Does it say that you have to go to church, or does it just say that you need to have some sort of relationship with whoever? I was told in third grade by a priest that I'm going to hell because I don't go to church every single week. Ah, uh, you were Catholic. I was raised Catholic, right. and we would go to church in school once a week, mm -hmm. and we. 
I would go maybe two out of every three weekends with my family. And he told me that wasn't good enough and that I was definitely going to hell. And so I I think, so I guess my, this, my uh, thought of this religion is pretty intense started around then. Mm. It's much more concrete than I think I had. They had presented to me anyway. Like I kind of always didn't, I didn't really have like a true feeling that it was true. Right. You were always kind of on the fence. I was always kind of on the fence. Yeah. So easily persuaded probably either way at in certain points of my childhood for sure. But probably around, I don't know, high school, everything before that was just, I don't want to go. I don't want to wake up early. Right. I don't don't want to wear a belt. As a kid, like that is definitely the worst part. Right. And it's, like that, I just want to sleep. Children actually do kind of have a difficult life in a, in a sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a kid, I would rather wake up and just like hang out at the house than go to church. Oh, we're getting some wind coming through. A little bit of wind. Yeah. Anyway, it's okay. Whatever. Yeah. You know, I, like sleeping wasn't a huge thing for me as a kid, but it was more so like not eating a really great breakfast and hanging around out around the house. Mm. Instead, it was going to church and just sitting there because I didn't understand anything they were talking about because the religion was so, so traditional and so classic. And as a kid, it's just impossible to understand. Anyway, so what's next for you? What are you working on? What do you want to do? Um, I have no idea. Yeah? I have no idea. I mean, I've been doing videography for like two and a half years without like, a, a side thing mm-hmm. or like security so but now that i've done that i would really like for this to be a main thing because mm-hmm. it's way easier to just hang out yeah and no talk doubt. instead of you know isn't it crazy how your goals change like three years ago you could have said i would there's nothing i would rather have than to be a full-time videographer and then you hit that and yeah then all of a sudden you're like okay well now like what's the goal right but i guess that's good because if you don't change that goal with yourself as you grow and progress then you really you kind of peak and die out which someone told me and it was this girl my my um i'm not gonna say names just my this this person told told me something like maybe you peaked in high school and i was like huh i don't i don't know about that but i hope not and that was i don't know 2015 over beers at this place yeah well if you did peak in high school then i didn't know you in high school (laughs) If you did peak in high school, your beard did not peak in high school. It kind of, well, definitely didn't peak, but it was peaking or out. It was peaking out. It tried. It was trying. But it didn't look like this. <laughs> I nobody, would, no. nobody in my high school had a beard like that. We weren't allowed. I did have facial hair and I tried to hide it as best I could. We even had like a, a dress code and everything. So yeah. I would try and just hide it with my collar a lot of times. So I went to private school and beards were definitely not allowed. And even if they were, I couldn't grow one. Yeah. You could grow one now. Yeah. Mm, it doesn't look great. I promise you. Um, and so it's weird when you're like when you're in high school and you're 18 and you're surrounded by zero people with a beard. Right. Nobody has facial hair. You don't mm. realize that like that that's a weird thing because you're surrounded like that's your normal. Yeah. And then you go to college and everyone has beards and it's just like a weird adjustment because I didn't know if I could grow a beard. I was never I never like tried to grow a beard. Um I don't know, like rules like that are just, I think that they affect development. Yeah. You know? For sure. Like you have, like we had the same uniform every day. We had to wear a sport coat and a tie and we had to do the whole deal. Um, 
And then you go into the real world and you're like, I don't have to wear that anymore. And you have this like little crisis on how do I dress? What's my style? You don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have a uniform, but we had the dress code where we just had to have a belt on, no rips, the inch little rule for the logos and it had to be a polo. Were you bummed Solid that you couldn't color. wear your ripped holy jeans? No, see, I didn't, I wasn't that guy. I was basketball shorts guy because um, I played basketball forever. And yeah, 2010 was the last year for that. Yeah. 11 and 12. All right, we're, we're under high surveillance. All right, P. Are we? No, 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 no. I, us at our high school, we were oh, under I high thought surveillance. You meant, like, people were watching us. I thought no, I was just no, the dude no. in, the, in the wife beater. No, he's just being chill over there. Yeah. His, I can, in Austin, you can't tell if that guy was 55 or 30. You also can't tell if he's homeless or a <laughs> No, I don't think he's homeless. He doesn't appear. He looks like he smells very good. Why don't you go find out? No, no, no. No, no, no. no. <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> anyway. So, um, man, seriously, I think that... I think that I'm struggling. I'm trying to figure out, like, I've continued to evolve and, like, grow this this brand and this photography product. And I'm, I'm thinking about what's next. And I'm trying to figure out because I feel like I had very rare success very quickly. Mm. Like, I, I shot my first wedding two years ago. And people assume I've been doing this for, like, 10 years plus so i've quickly caught up to everybody else who's doing this and now i see everyone behind me who's kind of like doing the same thing and kind of growing their own thing too and i have this fear that i won't evolve as quickly as they will i feel like there's always people and i don't know if it's just a social media age but i feel like there's always somebody right on your tail and if you don't continue to pump out product and you don't continue to work and share the art that you're creating that they're going to pass you and that's not necessarily a bad thing because it drives you to succeed and it drives you to work but it's exhausting i just constantly feel like i'm running on this treadmill do you know what i'm talking about yeah i turn it off how do you turn it off i just put my phone down and i usually play guitar um Working out is a nice it is nice I agree. Um, outlet. But when you're working out, you're not thinking about everybody else that's working right now? No. no. Okay. Mm-mm. So working this is a me problem. Working about what? Wait, working in what way? Working like out? Just hustling in general. Mm. Taking time off seems to be getting harder and harder for me because I feel that pressure to continue to just push it. Right. You also have children. I do have children. I think that's a big difference. And a wife. Right. So I have a lot on my shoulders, but at the same time, it almost feels like it's more of just like an ego thing. Like it feels like I'm I'm putting this pressure on myself. And even if I didn't work as hard, excuse me, if I didn't work as hard as I do, I would be fine. Right, but but I don't want to just be fine. Exactly, you know. Right, and you think that you would have that perspective regardless. I don't know. See, that's the thing. Because I feel like if I had a family like that, I might have more of a fire under my ass. I don't always have like the. First of all, that's not me. I'm not the let's go out and sell today guy. 
Yeah, me either. I'm not going to sell you a car or anything like that. I don't even want to sell products on this podcast, but that's the only way you can monetize things. So we're going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> there will be merch. There will be things. But um, yeah, kind of, I wouldn't equate it to exactly floating, but sometimes it feels like I'm floating a little bit. Yeah. Every, every month. In what way? Floating in what Just way? Just floating through. Just, and here's another month and here's another month. Okay. And I'm still alive and rent is still paid and nothing is wrong per se. Do you feel pressure to, instead of just floating by to like, like paper bag drifting through the wind or plastic bag, whatever the Katy Perry lyric is. Yeah. <laughs> plastic. <laughs> plastic. <laughs> paper plastic. plastic. Um, do you feel pressured from anyone, probably yourself to take control of that trajectory and like control your path instead of just like, well, things will come to me and I'll work and I'll be fine and, I'll, and things will work out. Do you feel pressure to take control of that? And, yes. and basically like say, no, this is what I'm doing. This is the plan. I do. Yeah. Okay. But I, but I also do it from a laid back perspective, I think, because I almost want to do it my way too. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want it to not just come to me, but put my, like try and be strategic about it a little bit. Like, put myself and try to do podcasts with people uh, that I would want to one work with or appreciate. And maybe that would open doors. It's just like building things naturally. I don't want to go out and outbound market myself. Yeah, I want I it to be more to like that. organic relationships like that. And that's, that's my business model too. Everything is very organic. I don't sell. I mean, the work that I put out, you know, people enjoy that and then right. they, they book with me. So it's not like I'm pressuring the sell or like, you need to book today or like anything. It's not like that. But at the same time, you know, my, my treadmill fires up and I'm like, okay, well, the more active that I am, the Mm. more, the more that the social media gods are going to share that work, the more people, the more exposure that it'll get. And ultimately that will lead to more bookings just by spending more time on social media. Right. Which I don't want to do. So 2017 is when you started, right? Yeah. I mean, I've been shooting for a long time, like over 10 years. Okay. But it's been a business for like three years, three right. and a half. Okay. So when you were, that was 2017, right? So yeah. just basically whenever you started the business, what was your, do you remember what your Instagram was at? Like how mm. much have you grown since then? I don't know. I was probably around, I probably had around like 2000 followers. So okay. probably so almost five about times. About five. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think that I haven't seen that, um, that praise yet. Yeah. I, I, I haven't gotten the, I haven't had the first bump, mm-hmm. you know? So I haven't, I, I don't know what that would even feel like or what I would need to be doing in order. And this might actually be the answer with the podcast and putting out content like that. And just maybe, maybe mine isn't showing work, but talking about it or, and yeah. having other, I don't know. But I haven't had that little bump of dopamine hit me. Mm-hmm from like a bunch of followers and I did once, but it was kind of like not real. I think, I think there were a bunch of bots. And so I just deleted all of them. Yeah. I went from 10,000. I had the swipe up feature. It was cool. And then down to what I'm at, like a thousand thirty right now. So yeah. I didn't like that guy who had 10,000 too. Right. It felt very like, Oh, I have eyeballs watching me and now I should be performing. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like going into a caricature caricature of myself. 
for sure. Uh, yeah, it, it can feel that way, <laughs> definitely. I know what you mean. Do you feel like you are ever like a character like that? Not, I mean, not like really. Like Barefoot Tim is a... In a way, like people, yeah. Right. I would say, yeah, actually, Ben. Because like, like, oh, it's Barefoot Tim. Like people say that to me and I'm right. like, that's weird to me. Or my yeah. kids will be like, dad, how many followers do you have? And it's like... <sighs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't enjoy that. I don't know. It's a yeah. weird. It's a weird place to be, and it's not something that I think I expected when I jumped into the whole photography thing. Hmm. Yeah, it's a weird place to be. It's definitely a weird space. Um, have you seen the social dilemma? Have you? Not yet. I don't have Netflix. Okay. I need to get who, it. Who yeah. doesn't have Netflix? Yeah. You don't. Have I know. Like, I'm an abomination. You've mentioned it. <laughs> do you have Hulu? No, no, no. I have YouTube Prime, YouTube, uh, YouTube uh, Premium. Of all the things you could have, that's the one you have. Yeah, yeah. Went, uh, I went with no ads on my YouTube. You don't have any like logins of your friends that you can use. I used to use my grandpa's, but either his email changed or his password changed. <laughs> okay. I don't know. But okay, you need one of the. You need a streaming service, and YouTube can't be it because the free version is already way better. In the premium, I would imagine. It's not. Also, I think it, I don't know if I get it because I pay for it, but I use YouTube Music versus like iTunes or Spotify or all, any of that stuff too. YouTube Music's pretty good. Okay. But I don't. Yeah, know. I don't know. I'm a Spotify guy. I have not to be like the hipster that's like I've been on this since day one, <laughs> but the Spotify logo entranced me from the beginning. Okay. It's just a great logo. The color is awesome. Crush Pandora's logo. like Oh, yeah, Pandora was trash. A, you want to give me a gray box with a navy Pandora lettering in it? That's true. Or maybe it was vice versa. I don't Those were the colors was, and the yeah. font was They terrible. were definitely boring. Yeah. yeah. They looked and, like a Britannica right. America or whatever. It, it was very called. clearly old school. Spotify came in and crushed it with branding, and that's why that's I'm true. lifelong Spotify now. Okay. I, I also uh, preferred podcasts like Apple Podcasts. Versus Spotify. Like the logo. I like the purple more than the green. Well. And they look the same, basically. So the thing with Apple logo is, though, is that they change their podcast logo and all of their major logos, like, pretty much every time there's a new operating system. That is true. Yeah. So, yeah, they get to change it, like, every year when you, because they don't care about the brand aspect of it because you already like Apple. Right. But Spotify needs to, like, pick up logo and stick with it and they chose a good one from day one when was that by the way it was like 2012 11 a, yeah Has around it been? then it's been a while yeah 12 or 13 i would say because i used to i used to be a spotify guy whenever it first came out it was definitely better it even was, the free version it, it, it was, was better. better yeah and yeah. that's all i had i think or maybe i had a student whatever i had but it definitely was better and i was a spotify guy but I don't yeah. know. I don't know what I turned into. You know. You know what blows my mind, and I'm really proud of. We've made it 30 minutes, and we haven't talked about the election. That's in two days. If you want to talk about it, be my guest. I, do. <laughs> I know I, nothing about it, and this will be interesting. How do you know nothing about it? I typically I just stay out of it for the most part. Okay. First of all, I'm. I if I'm if I'm I haven't voted yet. If I'm voting, probably going to be Biden. Okay. But. Well. Dan, I'm not asking who you're voting for. I'm asking how you feel about the election. I think that it's a giant um, game of who, which reality do you want to live in 
most or the least? Which one would you rather not experience? So why do you think as some like I consider myself to be above average on the how much I pay attention to politics scale, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't consider myself an expert, but I do pay quite a bit of attention to it. I couldn't tell you like where everybody went to school and like where their hometowns are sure. for Bernie Sanders because he just loves dude loves Vermont. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but outside of him, like I, I couldn't tell you like those small details, but I pay attention. Like I know who's who and whatever. Yeah. Um, why do you feel like we keep ending up with these mega shitty candidates? Like we end up with these people that at the beginning. OK, so four months ago, nobody loved Joe Biden. And now. Right. Everyone loves Joe Biden. Like they come around because the Democratic Party Mm. like changes their way that they're pitching the candidate. And I don't know if like people realize like, oh, I really do love his ideas or it's just like, well, we don't like Trump. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and, you know, we're just going to we're going to throw our support behind Biden. Right. Like, which one is it? Like, why do you feel like as a country we keep getting these two outdated, antiquated people who it's like, oh which one's better. And like, it's hard to choose at times. Like I have my mind made up, my mind made up. Yeah. But like, I don't like either of them that much. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, it has to be due to the system. Like, right. The it's, I've heard it on Rogan. I hate ripping everybody else's shows off, but that's what I listen to. And so I've heard him say multiple times. And I agree that it's just a completely archaic system. Yeah. of electing anybody it should be i like his idea of having a board of representatives who specialize in specific things and they all work together to make the world work instead of trying to uh i don't know what they're trying to do actually i have no idea what their goal is right, right now. so that works in the sense of you know in like we have the senate and the house of representatives and that's like a huge group of people who vote and decide on certain things Sure. But then we have this one person that's on top of them who can kind of just pretty much do whatever the fuck they want. Sure. I don't know what's right. Like, what if we did have a panel? Um, What's his name? Brett Weinstein pitched Mm -hmm. having Andrew Yang and William McRaven on the same ticket where you have somebody who's center left and you have somebody who's center Mm. right. Mm. And they work together to determine what's best for the country. So right. you'll end up with some Democratic policy, you'll end up with some Republican policy, and that seems like a good balance because to me, anything that's far, far left or anything that's far, far right is just bad news for the country. And anyone who has those beliefs is just like tipping way too far. And I honestly feel like they don't exist in the numbers that we think that they do or the numbers that they feel like they do. Because I, everybody that I know, I don't think I know any extremists. Yeah, I mean, maybe on social media, like people act like they're extreme on social media. But in person, most people, I would say 80% plus, are very, very reasonable. Right. Agreed. Yeah, but social media does this thing where they, it just like, it just divides. And then we, I think that's probably the biggest issue we have right now going into the election is social media. And it was a problem in 2016 because of the outside influence, right? right? Yeah. Um, It'll be, it'll do, it's going to do that again. It is going to do that. And they've already proven that it's happening again. I think it was Iran and it was Russia who got caught doing it again. Mm. Well, I think I said this on the last episode too, but uh, Bert Kreischer put out a, he's a comedian. um, Bert Kreischer put out a tweet that said, why wait? And then you just put Biden and Trump in for the first like, 
half of the day until about 5 p.m., Biden was up 80% to 20%. And then 5 p.m., it just flips. And it's like Trump 90%, Biden 10%. And it was a Somebody tweeted at him saying that, oh, all the Trump supporters just got off working. <laughs> right. Uh, but no, I, he has like, he has like a, a media team that he works with and they told him that, oh, you got hacked, but not hacked, but it had millions of impressions and he only got like 30 followers from it. So they were just bots just like, infiltrating yeah. his one little tweet poll. Yeah, I don't know. Like polls right now are saying that Biden has an 89% and we're two days before the election. So I feel like I'm not making predictions. I'm just saying what the polls reflect right now. 538 is my favorite poll. Like Nate Silver is he's just like really big into data and he just crushes it. And to me, it feels like it's neutral. But everyone I talk to that's mildly conservative tells me that those polls are just like liberal propaganda. So do your own research. But anyway, 538 says that Joe Biden has an 89% chance of winning the election. And Donald Trump has an 11% chance of winning the election. However, Donald Trump's numbers, polling, whatever, uh, are always severely underreported. So he probably has way more support than that. Right. Because people want to be quiet about it because they don't want to be judged. (laughs) Yeah. Because there is a stigma. There is a stigma. And if you do publicly support Donald Trump, you have the extreme left and even like, a lot of the left that says that you're basically, oh, you're supporting a racist. You're a complete piece yeah, of shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's probably tough, I would imagine. I am not a Trump supporter, but I would imagine that it is very tough out there for Trump supporters to publicly do it. Although... Unless you double down like he does. That's the only way to like get away with it for some somehow. Or if you take the same commute to drop your children off at Cheer and you come across the Trump parade every single day. Right. That is actually why I think Trump is going to win, by the way. You think okay, I, so you think I feel like I feel like there's a lot of um So let's make public predictions right now. I'm I'm pretty I, I think, think Trump, Trump is gonna win. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I do think that Biden will win, but I don't think it will be by as large of a margin as we're led to believe. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that Trump's going to win just because it just seems, I don't know. There, he, you just said that you don't see a lot of support for him. For Trump? Yeah, like publicly maybe. But when I do, it is very in your face. It's yeah. like the rallies, It like uh, Lake Travis had that boat rally for Trump and like boats sank and it made the right. news. Yeah, there was yeah. like two of them or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, they're on the side of the road. Um so I, the support that I do see for him is overwhelming support, like full committed right. Donald Trump, whatever, flags in the front yard. Ride or die, bitches. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think the people who are kind of like, I'm going to vote for Trump, but I'm not going to tell anybody about it. There's tons of them out there. For sure. I think it's more I, likely. I wonder if I know any of them. You know, I think it's more likely for you to vote for Donald Trump and not be proud of it than it is for you to vote for Joe Joe Biden and not be proud of it. So like, why is that? Because I think that some people, like if you say I, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump again, like I said, people will label you as a racist or xenophobic or transphobic or whatever. But if you say I'm voting for Joe Biden, it's like, okay, Mm, whatever. mm. There's really no other label that comes with it other than are you a socialist? Like that's the worst thing. Right. And none of those things can actually be proven, really, right? Like if somebody says you're racist or whatever, it's like, right. 
you may have said some racist things like you you can't really like there's no concrete things you can do it's like that's so mean of you to say to somebody but you can't really prove it unless you have like a tweet or whatever nowadays sure and those signs that i saw coming into austin that i told you about last time yeah. I, I think it was a trump propaganda sign but it was all biden uh harassed out mm-hmm. and the ideas on it made sense to me is all i'm saying okay like the first line was i i told you was end capitalism and i was like no right, yeah. <laughs> no i want capitalism I don't to end it right? i don't want to end it no i if you end it, how are you going to like, I mean, I guess everything would just be, everybody would be win-win-winning. But right. that's, that's just not realistic. Right. Um, so you don't want to end it, but that sign, you should explain made, what it, the sign said. I don't remember the second line, but the second line, the third line said, uh, divide the nation. Okay. Which. So the first. Success is happening there. There's definitely, we have a divided nation. So the first, there were three lines on it. You don't remember the second one. The first one said, end capitalism. Right. And the third one said, divide the nation. Right. And the picture on it was Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, right? It didn't have a picture. It just had their logos and the sign was blue itself. Okay. So to me, that sign sounds like a Republican, I don't know, PAC or Republican, some sort of backed company posting that up saying this is what the democrats want to do exactly okay exactly and that's why that's where i felt conflicted because like i agree with 60 percent of this right and i'm like okay well that what is what am i supposed to do with that like i don't want to vote for trump right. but though yeah. that sign makes sense to me yeah right so i don't know the atta- it's an attack ad is what it is right but that's the other thing is i'm so removed from like what liking certain things or what um i just can't i can't be on either side i'm very much in the middle whatever makes it's it's topic based it's like well i might have this view on one thing and something completely opposite that you wouldn't expect yeah it's tough though because even if you're an individual issue person you're gonna have to like take a stance you don't want to be the person who's like I see both sides on everything and never like take a side on anything. Right. Like you have to commit at some point. You don't have to say I'm a Republican or you don't have to say I'm a Democrat, but maybe like, you know, how do you feel about taxes? How do you feel about prisons? Like individually you should, I feel like you should be able to have an educated stance on all of those issues individually. And this is what I talk to uh, my brother about a lot. My brother is, Hmm turning 18 this month and he's missing the uh, deadline to vote by three days. So he can't vote, but he is somebody who should be able to vote because he cares a lot and he's reading a lot. And my parents are, my parents have like independent views, but lean conservative. So he is learning a lot from them. But instead of just like saying, this is what we believe, he like does his own research and he challenges those beliefs too. Mm. Um, so he's a very, he's going to be a very informed voter. He's not there yet. Right. But we talked to him, Lindsay and I, my wife, talked to him a lot about like doing your own research and forming your own opinion. Like your opinion doesn't have to match anybody else's. Like you can have your own, which is what's so cool. And he, that's really important to him. And I think that's cool for somebody who's not even 18 yet. I, I think it's interesting that your, your, uh, your parents are, are they like, 
So Catholic to me tends to mean close-minded and not independent. Um, um, my, my dad is more of the conservative and my mom is more of the independent liberal. Yeah. But even like the older she gets, I feel like she becomes more conservative. And I think that that's a common trend. That's common. Yeah. That most people who are conservative tend to be a bit older unless they were raised in a house by conservatives and they've just kind of, you know, inherited those beliefs. Right. But I think it's cool that your brother gets to have uh, like openness with like it, I'm, I'm assuming that they expect him to be Catholic, whether or not he believes that or not. I think that there's there's that expectation between both of us. I think that my mom kind of she hopes that I eventually, you know, go back to the Catholic Church and she hopes that Gavin remains there. Mm. Um so yeah, I think there is some sort of like I don't know if it's an expectation, it's more of like a hope or a wish that yeah. we that we stay in slash return to the church. Right. But just like the doing his own research. They pr- they they praise that. So yeah, it's it's they, strange that the, that it wouldn't be for religion, but it would be for politics. Yeah, uh, I think that's a that's a really interesting way to look at it, and I haven't actually thought about it that way. It's like doing your own research and making up your mind. Yeah, um, in search of truth, but only in <laughs> like certain circumstances. Like she, I don't. She doesn't push her faith on me or me anymore mm-hmm. or on Gavin currently, but she. She definitely does, like, I can tell that she, like, she probably prays that, like, we find religion and we find comfort in the Catholic Church. Um, and I just don't see myself returning, and I think that that's, that's kind of tough for her. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my dad, whenever I told him um, that I was an atheist, I think he may have silently cried to himself. I'm not 100% sure, but he said something like... uh if you've accepted it in your heart or something like that, you always return. Basically all everybody always returns somewhere, whether it's on your, like your last dying breath or where it is. He thinks that I will return. Yeah. And maybe you will, who knows? You don't really know, but I mean, you keep referring to yourself as an atheist, but I feel like you're probably more agnostic. That's the thing. Yeah. That, that was 2014, 15. And I, yeah, I, I, I just don't know. Right. I just yeah. don't So know. you're agnostic. Yeah. Which, and the difference of that being atheist is basically a firm stance that God doesn't exist. And agnostic is basically like, we have no evidence. So how can you say either way? Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. We have no, no evidence. You can't make a decision on anything without having the evidence. And I feel like the Bible to me is not a sufficient enough form of evidence that God exists. I've heard somewhere that the Bible is also written by, well, just like <laughs> everybody was <laughs> taking all kinds of different medicines that they call like, I have heard about that things too. that just, it's like alcohol, but it was, it was something else. I forgot the liquid. They made it in these big vases, these big ceramic vases. Was it mead? No, it wasn't mead. It was similar to mead and it was actually medicine. It was like actually medicine. Okay. And it was only made by doctors. Um, all these like medicinal probably cannabis plants and other mushroom type of drinks or and fermented things you sure. know, like wine and mead and yeah. things like that. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to take something that was written from, you know, 1500 to 3000 years ago, depending on which book of the Bible you're talking about 
and say and read it for face value today. Like things, I feel like you do need an impartial linguist to go through and explain everything. Um, because things back then don't mean the same things that they mean today. Like right. I think the language has changed so much that I don't know. I, I'm a skeptic in pretty much every way. Same. But also, I don't know if it's so much skeptic as much as just I'm waiting for evidence to be presented, like you were saying. Right. And I think that's a good... Is that skeptical? I think that's a good approach. Like, why would you make up your mind before you have any sort of evidence? Like, if I... Have you had any sort of overwhelming experiences in your life where you're like, that was for sure a ghost or that was for sure, Mm. like, religious? Like, I feel like any sort of supernatural experience or anything that's convincing to you that this world and what we understand it to be isn't necessarily that way. Because I have not. No, I would say no, I guess. I literally had this conversation on the last episode too, but I, and I, I'll just go through it really quickly. The, uh, I saw this, I was driving this girl home, her and her boyfriend we were dropping her boyfriend off and she was tired. She had a long day. So I drove her like an hour and a half to drop her off her boyfriend. Um, and so we're on this dusty back road and I see this boy walking towards us on the driver's side he just looks like a white, like he jumped in a pile of dust or like flour or something. He was very, he was white. And uh, even his clothes, he had an overall, overall little off. He looked like Huck Finn or something. Okay. Um, so he was there and he, it was just like really quick. I'm driving 60 miles an hour, so I didn't get a great look, but it looked like a real human. But he also, it was like three o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. on dusty back road. Did I really see it? I don't know. Right. And it didn't seem like angry or anything. And this isn't really existential. Like, do I believe other worlds exist and that type of thing? Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. He seemed real and he was there when we came back walking the other direction, still on my side. He was still there? Yeah. But walking the other direction. Cause now he's on, he's still on my side going back home. Okay. So you saw him twice. I saw him twice. So either that was a ghost that was just chilling out there. Heading and walking, walking around, up and down. And realized he w- has been going the wrong way the whole time. Yeah. And you both turned around at the same time and then you crossed again. Right. Or I don't know. It was either a ghost or it was a real person. I don't know, man. I have no idea. Like I've yet to have an experience where I feel like I haven't been able to convince myself that it was something supernatural. I feel like I can always, I always have a reason. For example, I photographed this couple in one of the most haunted haunted Mm. um, hospitals in Texas. So it's in Yorktown. Is it still functioning or no? No, but you can go there. You can like request a private tour. It's shut down. The wall, like the ceilings are collapsing. There's like all these stories, like all the ghost shows. They've all been there. I went there and I photographed a couple and I had my light stand, right? And I moved my light stand and like I set it down and the ceiling fell down and hit me right in the face. Oh, I remember that story. <laughs> okay. That's right. And so like I made the joke like uh like I wouldn't believe in ghosts if they hit me in the face or whatever <laughs> <laughs> afterwards. But like I had a big umbrella on my light stand and so as I was moving it, it's very likely that I just bumped the ceiling cuz the ceiling tiles everything like every structure in this place is a disaster. Yeah. So 
to me, it's very likely that my umbrella just bumped it and it caused the ceiling to fall down. And that's what hit me in the face. Sure. But somebody who's not as skeptical as me could have very well left that place and been like, that place is haunted as hell. And a ghost made the ceiling collapse on my face. Is that skeptical, though? You could be skeptical the other way, right? What do you mean? Like you could think that you're skeptical of ghost existence, like because you I are. Am, but I want to believe in them. Oh, you do want to believe in them. I do want to believe in them, but I always find a reason to be like, to so I can tell you why that wasn't a ghost, like why X Y Z happened, why maybe your eyes were playing tricks on you. Right. If you only saw that person walking on the side of the road once, I would say your eyes were playing tricks on you. Yeah, I agree. But you saw him again, so I feel like that was probably a real person, and he just like I don't know, maybe he was walking to get his mail or whatever. Sure. Like, there's probably something he was doing. Like, that was probably a real person. I guess. Again, Because my mom... 3 a.m. My, my mom... Dusty. <laughs> look white. Look like a ghost. My mom has ghost stories. She has religious stories about seeing the Virgin Mary at the foot of her bed when she was a kid. Mm. Um, she was adopted and lived in an orphanage for a little bit as a kid. And she walked, like, 10 miles across the city as a child, like a six or seven-year-old, maybe eight like an eight-year-old child with a friend um, back to where she was living and she got there safely. Um, like she has some crazy stories for her. So for her to believe in, um, you know, base, most likely like religion, but also ghosts because she had that experience, that makes sense to me. But I'm wondering as somebody who's so willing to like seek out these things and like actually see ghosts and actually like be open to those experiences I haven't, it hasn't had, nothing has been convincing enough for me. Yeah. Well, your mom seeing the Virgin Mary could even have been like a hope. And then I would ask whether or not she experiences sleep paralysis. It's possible, right? Like there's always something that it could have been. And to me, the could have beens are always more realistic than it was a vision from heaven. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think negatively about anyone who, has those beliefs because like I said, I have never been there. Like I've never had something happen where I was like, that was definitely God. Yeah. But I just, I don't know, man. I always just find myself feeling like your mind can be manipulated by so many things like by lack of sleep or by whatever. Like there always seems to be a reason like for, for what happened and we can't explain everything, but we can explain most things and we can explain exponentially more than we could explain when the Bible was written. Absolutely. Like when the Bible was written, a bush being on fire was a big deal. And now we have like 5% of the country on fire. And, but we know that it's because we are absolutely a disgrace to the planet and we are causing it to burn. I stay away from news, (laughs) all bad news. (laughs) <laughs> but it's important. You have to know what's going on so we can change these things. When you said on fire, did you physically mean California fires or did yes. you mean climate? Okay. No. Yeah. I mean the physical fires like yeah. in like on the West Coast. I just Northwest. know that things are happening usually. There's, and I mean, then there's I don't bother things, myself with them. Things are always happening. Yeah. What makes you care? Maybe I can find a way to make myself care more if I can figure out why you care. Is um, I, I going back to the children thing? 
I think that that might have a little play in it. Like you're wanting to see something better for your peeps. Uh, maybe that's something deep down, but that doesn't come to mind. Yeah. Like immediately. I'm not like, Hey, yeah, I recognize that climate change is an issue for future generations. And that, that bothers me, but it's more so just like, like, why is this happening? Like I'm trying to under, like actually understand why these things are going on. And so I feel like just, I try to educate myself on these topics so I can talk about them. Um, but really it's not much more like it's not a whole lot deeper than that. It's just understanding the world that we live in and why it's this way and what our options are to make it a better place, I guess for future generations. Cause when we die, nothing happens. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's what it comes down to, I guess is like making the world a better place for the people after us. But also like, I want to live in a cool place too. And maybe that's selfish, but like, I think we should fix the problem so we can be the ones that are like, hell yeah, we fixed it. Right. And then everyone else can have a cool life too. Sure. And that's also kind of, so I think that we kind of live in either heaven or hell right now. That's a good way to put it. And like, we are all God in every, like we are all our own gods and, uh, but it's all of our own lives. And that is almost like what the multiverse could be is we have universe in our head and everybody is in their own universe at all times. And so you are God and yeah. whatever choice you make, and, you're you going to be in good things or bad things. And what you value and what you spend your time on. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that too. I think that especially now with how polarizing things are, people get caught up in that like mentality of, like the us versus them mentality, right? So if you vote for Biden, you're saying us versus them against people who support Trump. Um, so it's like good versus evil at all times. But really that line of good and evil is like drawn between everybody. Right. Right. Because like I do some pretty shitty things, but I also do some good things too. And I think that some people do more shitty things than good things. But for the most part, people are good. Honestly, I think that too. For the most part, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Most people are good. I think so too. And I think that that what's really interesting is a lot of people are really quick to write off people who support Trump and say that that they're, you know, we talk about it, like they're racist or whatever it may be. But I feel like a lot of the people who support Trump tend to be like blue collar people. Um, and I mean, the data shows that. So that's not a surprise, really. But people who and I don't want to generalize. But a lot of people who are blue collar are so like very, very caring about other people. So, for example, like if you got in a car crash, the first person that would probably and there were like 20 people around you that saw it. The first person that would come running to help you is probably somebody who's like blue collar and like strong and is like willing to put themselves in harm's way. Right. And so it's, just because right. they vote for Trump because they don't want to pay more in taxes and maybe the other things aren't as big of a priority to them doesn't mean that they're evil or they're a bad person. Agreed. Yeah. But that's not, a lot of people don't feel that way. A lot of people are like, oh, if you support Trump, like you are trying to like blow up the earth. Basically, like you're trying, like you're making the world a worse place. And again, I'm not voting for Donald Trump. I am voting for Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think people that vote for Trump are bad people. Agree. Yes. I, I, there have been times in the past where I've heard Trump say things that have made sense every now and again, yeah. but it's not very frequent and not enough of the time. Right. And so people are saying like, maybe he's the worst president ever and maybe he is. Who knows? Yeah. 
It's very possible. Do you think but he, he also did? He has done good things too. The scum of the earth. I don't think he's a great person, but I think that he reformed prisons in a way that haven't been reformed in a long, long time. I think that's good. And I think that he developed the Space Force, which is protecting the satellites in space from other countries. Doesn't protect us from aliens. Yet. Uh, which, yet, <laughs> which a lot of people think that's what it's for, but it's mostly just like protecting our space property, which with a wife who is now officially an attorney, uh, property law is a really big deal. And so those two things are, the, are what I would say his major successes are. Everything else, not so great. But then again, so if you vote for him, I don't think that you're a bad person. Yeah. I wish I got... Do they publicize much of, like... I wish I knew what the truth was, is my point, really. Like, I didn't know that... I didn't know that Trump is the guy that, like, put the Space Force... Made it a thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know much of what anybody has really done. I just know that things start happening and gay marriage is legal and weed is legal in some states and all that happened under Obama. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I, Did you see that video of Obama singing that three? That three was sick, dude. And <laughs> so, lefty? It was so good. And lefty. I didn't know he's a lefty. It was so good. <laughs> but like some people will say that, like maybe you said what you just said, Trump did the Space Force thing. Mm -hmm. But you'll think that it's bad just because he did it. A lot of people feel and that so way. So I just don't ever know what is true. Yeah. Well, there are some really good sources and articles online that will tell you, like, these are Trump's biggest successes and then these are his biggest failures. And you can find, like, multiple art articles out there like that, like, in that same style and, like, eloquently explain um, why his successes are good, like, specifically, and why his failures are considered a failure. And so if you read multiple sources, you'll get a feel like a lot of times the views are similar, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're viewing, if you're reading a source that is neutral, it will say like Trump did a good thing and this was it. Trump did a bad thing and this was it. And they should be similar. But if you read something that says everything Trump did was great and he did mm -hmm. no bad things. Right. Probably not a great source yeah. and vice versa. Um, so it's important to do your research on that. It just comes down like you can take 10 minutes and read through one of these articles and you'll have a phenomenal understanding of, of what he did. Mm. Um, and I think that that's, that's really cool. I wish that there was like the week leading up to the election. I wish there was a TV program that talked through like all these issues individually. And there was that would be good like, idea. these are your candidates for at, like the state level and on like the national level. And just like made it easier to understand the right. issues and what's going on rather than saying, do your own research people and go vote. Like yeah. most people are just going to select like an all red or an all blue ticket. Yeah. Like, we're, we're used to being in, in our public school system, watching a easy one, two, three ABC video. Right. And give me the information, like right. make a child and make a video, make the video that you're talking about so easy that a child could understand it. Sure. Like a 10 year old at least. For sure. Yeah, maybe stuff like that will happen. But then again, Dan, we need to make the world a better place. So we need to do these things. Okay. Well, what's your plan? <laughs> I don't know. Just talk about things? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But I don't know, man. It's really cool, though. The election's a really fun time. Uh, we're only two days away, and I think that it's going to be crazy, and I think there will be some sort of fallout no matter who wins. 
I think that both parties are ready to riot and revolt, and maybe we'll have a civil war coming up. Hope so. I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I really don't want any kind of action. <laughs> I want no action. Please. <laughs> yeah, I would prefer that things were boring, at least for a little bit, because this year is insane. Sean Connery died yesterday. I saw that, yeah. And we lost Eddie Van Halen, like, Recently. in the same month. Yeah. I don't know, man. I can't take it much more, but I feel like now that we've hit this, like, snowball rolling, will things get better? It's like, it's not like January 1st of 2021 is going to roll around and the world's going to be a phenomenal place. We're still going to be picking up the pieces from 2020. Right. And part of me feels like maybe things are just going to keep getting crazier every year from here on out. I mean, if Kanye wins twenty twenty four, we'll see what happens, man. I don't know, man. I'm I'm the biggest Kanye West fan, but I just I hate that he's doing this. You think so? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't. I think, I think he think sounded he, stupid. I think he honestly sounded pretty open minded and rational. He is, but I don't think that he is ready just yet. And I think that he has quite a bit to work through on his own ego and. Mm. Does he want to make the better place, the world a better place, or does he want to be the person that makes the that world made, a better yeah, place? Sure. Like a, what is it called? Messiah complex? Is that what it's called? It's something. I mean, he. Savior complex. Called, savior complex. He's called himself a god. He's right. called himself a genius. He, he does all that stuff. Right. And part of me wishes he would just like stick to music and that he would continue to develop his social and political stances. And maybe instead of just running for president, working on pushing out policy first, because it feels like a power grab that he's running for president. Mm. The, the gates are open for all and just everybody all right now. Yeah. For real. Donald Trump was just open that wide up. If they, everybody looked at him like, oh, if he can do it, I can do it. It's like one of those things where, well, yeah, I mean, we anybody had, that looks like you made it. Do you remember when Arnold Schwarzenegger won in California? You probably don't. I, I do. I know <laughs> that that happened, but it, I mean, I'm from Texas and it didn't matter. Okay. To me. So, and then before that, I mean, I'm sure there's been other celebrities, but then there was Ronald Reagan who like, I think he did the acting thing and then was a politician and then eventually became president or whatever. Mm. So it's like. This has always been around, but I think Donald Trump is the most extreme example of anyone sure. can be president yeah. now. Yeah. But yeah, my point is like now is the time for him to strike. If he's yeah. going to, it'd be now and 2024. And in four years can change a man. So maybe he, he, maybe he will come to his senses like you're hoping. If Kanye was serious about running for president in 2020, he wouldn't have missed the deadline to That's true. be on ballots. But maybe he's such a marketing genius that he wants four years of headway. And he's going to talk about it forever until it happens. Maybe. It's possible. But then again, you know, we kind of go, I feel like there's no way to really make progress. If you're going from a Democrat president to a Republican president every four to eight years, we just keep flip-flopping flip on these policies. And we never get a substantial enough amount of time to make any progress. Right. We're just in a vicious circle. Yeah. It's yeah. like, we'll do something cool. And then four years later it's reversed and then we'll do something not cool. And then four years later it's reversed, but maybe that's why it works is because the good policies aren't forever. And the bad policies also I suppose. aren't forever. Yeah. It's just not efficient. 
No, it's not efficient at all <laughs> because the balance keeps going back and forth. What if we constantly had that balance? And that's when we go back to that, like that center left and center right candidates and the the board or whatever you mentioned, uh, balancing those policies along the way instead mm. of just reversing mm. and mm-hmm. rewriting live. And yes. Yeah. Instead of having it go back and forth, like, yeah, no, that, that that's the system. That That's exactly that's it. what we need. That's exactly it. Cause you can manipulate it on the fly equally somehow. Right. Yeah. I like it. How long do you think those people stay in office forever until they die? <laughs> I until, don't know. Until they exhibit some form of egotistical thing. Lifelong appointments are rough especially for the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court right now, we have, so we have nine justices, right? And now we're about to have, it's like a six to three Republican to Democrat split. So basically any sort of major bill that come, or major like case that comes to the Supreme Court is overwhelmingly going to lean to the right. But as a response to that, and maybe it's, it's not five to four, I think it's definitely six to three. Um, so as a response to that, people are asking Joe Biden if he's going to add more justices to the Supreme Court because he, as a way to, like, game the system, basically. So if Joe Biden adds, like, let's say two to four, I guess he would need, if he were to add two justices to the court, it would be a six to five split. So it would be much more reasonable. Right. But... I think that's insane. The fact that the president can decide if they want to add more justices to the Supreme Court when there's always been nine because it's not in their favor, that's bullshit for sure, right? Well, and you wouldn't have to get rid of anybody? No, they're saying just make more seats. Just like make the table bigger. This is like, let's just print more money. <laughs> let's <laughs> that's just, what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like as a response to something you disagree with, just change the rules, change the game. See, that's that's interesting, too, because don't you feel like you do that? In what way? Not change the rules, but like, okay, figure out the way to get what you want without, I don't know. I don't know. But like, maybe almost like indiv- the rules don't apply yet. Maybe as an individual, you know, yeah. you try to create the best circumstances for yourself, but not for the United States, which affects the whole planet. Sure. Like, I don't know, probably not quite 25% of the influence on Earth, but probably around there, right? Like, people make movies in English in, like, Africa because they know that the movie game is all about the U.S. Right. I mean, I don't know anything about them making more seats. I didn't even know that there was only supposed to be nine. Yeah, man, there's only nine seats. I, I mean, I guess it makes, it'd be fine. What would be the difference? Like, why would that even... Is it just because they're breaking, they're changing something or like, why is that a problem? Wouldn't that be better? The issue is because the Democrats would be pissed if the Republicans did it, but they're going to do it themselves. Mm. And so they're going Mm. to, they're going to like push the envelope forward. And then in a couple of years, the Republicans are going to do the same thing, but stronger back. And so you keep having that like push, pull, push, pull. And then all of a sudden it's like push, you know? Right. So it's like, and that's the civil war again. There it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's always just this, like, I don't know. It really bothers me as somebody who, like I said, I'm independent, but I lean left. And so I want to see the left doing, like, good things. Like, I want to see them making themselves look good. 
And so it's frustrating to see them do things that would piss them off if the right did it. There's no like morals. There's no accountability in any way. Like I said, no, just change the rules of the game and then you win for a couple of years. The whole system needs to be just thrown out. It need not maybe not thrown out, like just reformed. The whole the whole thing. So are you familiar we with the electoral it. college? I know that that is I don't know. I don't I I have the understanding that that is how Trump got elected or got in office. It was a major it was definitely part of it, you know, because Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. So if you were to count up all the votes in the country, whoever had most wins, Hillary Clinton would be president. Right. But instead, there's this like filtering process where depending on the area that you're in, like whoever wins that area, uh, then their their state like representatives, you choose a certain number of delegates, delegates, and then those delegates vote on who's president. So the way that the lines are drawn changes the game completely. Mm. But the issue with that is there have been, I want to say, five elections where the person who becomes president lost the popular vote. Okay? Five of those five times, the Democrats have been screwed over by it. Interesting. So, how do you change the rules of the game when only half the people are willing to do that. There is no incentive for Republicans to eliminate the electoral party if they're just going to lose elections if they do so. Right. And so in order for a Republican to vote on that and say, yeah, it does make sense for whoever gets the most votes that that's the next president would have to be willing to put their ego aside and say, you know what? I'm okay with that. Like just you have to remove the party thing completely and just look at it from how is this, is this game fair? The answer is no, no, it's not. Yeah. None of not that. Yeah. Anyway, the answer to that question is this game fair is no, but what is it worth it to you to have less influence in the country? Of and course not. Humans are Depends, not going right. to say yes. Right. I would like to think, I was if the say, roles were reversed, unevolved humans are right. not going to say yes. I would like to think if the roles were reversed and, you know, five times out of five, the Democrats won those contested elections, that the Republicans would be like, hey, this they, isn't fair. And they absolutely see, would. And I think that I think that they would do something about it, too. <laughs> I feel like they have much more fire for some reason. They're just a fiery group and the Democrats seem to be like the color, both. They're very similar to the colors, even mm -hmm. Republicans, red, like fire and hot. And yeah. And blue is very, very cool minded usually, but also a lot of times um, intellectually verbose. Did you know the colors used to be switched? I did not know that. I think it was in the seventies or the eighties. Cable news network started rolling out like that election map. Um, and so they would put like the color of the state on it. Mm. Um, and back when that started, so that was when the colored for the party, the colors for the party started. Like it hasn't always been around, but that was when they started it. And back then Republicans were blue um, and Democrats were red. 
And then at some point shortly after that, they were just like, nah, we don't like this. And they just like switched the colors. Like it's not an official color. Hmm. That's just how people view it. Interesting. So at one point they were probably just like, nah, these Republicans are fired up. Like fire, red. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) also alliteration. They probably like Republican red. Democrat. Doesn't make sense with Democrat, but. (laughs) (laughs) Person that made that rule was a Republican. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm really curious to see what happens with the election. Um, like I said, I think people are going to be heated up no matter what because nobody is really agreeing on anything right now. But I am very excited for it. So what do you think if Trump wins? Like like I said, it depends on like what, which world you'd, you'd least or most like to live in if Trump doesn't win because whatever happens with Biden. So uh, I think that no matter who wins... The world is a pretty cool place. Like, it's significantly better than it was 500 years ago. I don't think that you can, anyone can deny that. Um, but when you say that, like, people are like, oh, look at all these injustices that are happening right now. And, like, yeah, there are so many. But 500 years ago, there were so many more. For sure. And, so, and like, much more violent, too. Right. Like, you know, the stock market, it goes up a little bit, it goes down a little bit. It goes up more, and then it goes down just a little bit. Like, it's always generally on its way up long term. But it takes time. Like you can't assume, like expect the world to go from being this archaic place to all of a sudden being this paradise. And the idea that it will someday be a paradise is bullshit. I don't think it'll ever happen either. I was about to say it's never going to happen. <laughs> because like <laughs> if you expect the world to become a paradise, you're totally disregarding the fact that the better your life gets, your problems just become dumber. Like, the things that you complain about when your life is great are stupid. Very stupid. Like you'll get upset that you have to drive to the grocery store, and that's why they have delivery and pickup now. Right. And it's like, things are so convenient, but we still find a way to make problems. And that's never going to go away. So if you think of a world where you eliminate um, income inequality, you eliminate racism, you eliminate... Um, I don't know. People are really upset about taxes right now. So say all those things are gone and nobody cares about those things anymore. Right. Like all of a sudden we're going to find new things. We're going to be upset that like, oh, this guy's blue. Yeah. This guy's blue again. We are problem making and solving machines. Like we're always looking for a problem to solve. That's what humans do. Right. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. We're just going to be a vicious circle until we have. What are we complaining about? I don't know. Like my skin. I don't know. Something simple. Yeah, then you're going to start injecting your lips because they're not big enough. It's like I'm tired of seeing things. I wish I didn't have to see things. I wish I could just see things in my mind all the time, just have my eyes closed. I don't need eyes. Damn, you're going to be like, my hairline's so good, but I wish my my forehead was bigger, so I'm going to like trim up my hairline and bring it up even higher. Like you'll just make your own problems. That's how the world works. Right. Again, not to take away from all the issues that are in the world right now because they are huge and we do have problems. Yes. But... I don't know. I don't think the world is that bad of a place. It's. I also don't think that... I, I don't think it's the president that is making these things bad either. It's all the boys and girls in the big giant sandbox that is America, whether or not they're getting along or not. Yeah. And whether or not they like the new substitute teacher. <laughs> right. That we yeah. have to deal with. Yeah, who's only temporary. Yeah. Right. It's, just, it's always just a temp job. It is a temp job, but the person in the office does have major pull on the morale of the country. So if you bring somebody in who creates more problems than they solve, 
I could see that being an issue. Sure. And that's what a lot of people's issue is right now. What was that? Turn that off. It's a reminder. (laughs) (laughs) How's your mood? How are you feeling this year? I know a lot of people. um, I am a big fan of, I don't know if you know Gimlet Media. I don't. So Gimlet is a, they produce a lot of podcasts and they have one show called Reply All. And they recently had an episode where they brought this guy on who created something called the hedometer, like a hedonism hedometer, like mm-hmm. a way to, okay. I'm just going to fix this mic. This yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I can still hear you. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay. So they recently had somebody on who created a way, their own way to measure the level of happiness of people in the world, Right. So what they did was they extracted all the words from Twitter and they attached a level, a number of the level of happiness to each word. So, for example, they took the word like, I think on a scale of one to ten, one being the most unhappy words, the words were suicide and terrorist. So those were the least happy words that somebody could use. And Hmm. ten was like happy and excited and things like that. And so all the words in between, you know, whatever, one through 10. And so they've been measuring the words that have been tweeted on Twitter for the last 12 years. And we are on a slow decline over those of happiness over those 12 years based on that specific metric, right? So like when I'm in a bad mood, I don't post on social media. So it's not factoring that in. So maybe things are actually worse than we think. Because I'm more likely to post when I'm happy than when I'm sad. And I think that's probably the case for most people. However, we're on this like slow decline. And you see these spikes on like Christmas, like people get stoked because Christmas is cool. And like Thanksgiving because they get to eat really good food. Anyway, we're on this slow decline. The lowest it's ever been in the last 12 years was on the day that um, George Floyd was killed. Mm. And the day that, do you remember when that white lady in the park told that like pulled out her phone and told a film that black guy and said that he was harassing her for existing. No. Yeah. Didn't see that. Basically like he asked her if she could put her dog on a leash and she like lost her mind and started filming him and screaming, saying that he was harassing her and like, yeah, it was really bad. Anyway, those two things happened on the same day. Oh God. And so like the happiness scale tanked on that day, Mm -hmm. rebounded and is still declining. So what I'm asking you How's your mood this year? This year, uh, when the when okay, so pre and post quarantine mood, it's been mostly fine, honestly. In whenever it first started, up until every month, really, there's about two or three days, usually in a row, that are kind of like iffy Mm -hmm. and like depressive um but then i know that i'm getting out of it and all you got to do is just go to sleep and wake up the next day and you're gonna be fine right um so that happens pretty much every month but i mean temperament like i i haven't really felt the the need to have a bunch of people around until about seven months in so it's been about about a week and a half now okay um where it was like and luckily i've been busy this last couple of weeks but yeah, like it took about seven months for me to really feel uh, lacking in the community department. 
Okay. I even wrote like a new business plan where, <laughs> uh, I want to try and hire people to work in some sort of team where we, I kind of find the clients or somebody else finds the clients and then we kind of work like maybe a two to three person team, like very small, but enough to have little laughs and have some sort of bounce around. Right. So you feel like overall your mood is similar to previous years? For the most part, yeah. You don't feel like there has been, like, you don't think that high school Dan was happier than Dan now? I can't believe you, okay, every, uh, let, me, let me show you, let me show you how, what I'm talking about here, because you have asked me every question on my list without seeing my list. <laughs> Look at my list. Look at my list. Okay. That's ridiculous. Thinker feeler, optimistic, pessimistic. Were you cool in high school? <laughs> you just asked me that. Who was high school Tim, and what does seventeen-year-old Tim think of current Tim? <laughs> wow. Okay. Right. Yeah, you have a lot of things on there. Yeah. Um. So what? What would young? That, that's what you asked me, right? What My would young Dan is? Was high school Dan happier than current Dan? No. No, no, no. No? It was different. It was different. Um, I'm pretty sure I have the same happiness level besides, like, I technically don't have a job. Neither do you, you know? Like, we don't have a boss, per se. Um, definitely have a job, though. Right. Definitely have a job. Yeah. Career. It would be a career. Um, but no. I mean, all I did in high school was play basketball and cry over girls. I, In fact, I think I was a sad little boy in, in high school. I was a little emotional feeler cry baby a lot of times with relationships i could see that sure i could see that with you yeah and then yeah anyway sad guy a lot of the time and recently i've 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 not recently but over the last six eight years i've definitely grown more into solo don't not that i don't care but just like more very very okay by myself i entertain myself all the time you seem to be very okay with just like chilling on your own yeah see i feel like when i was in high school i didn't know what anxiety or depression were me either i didn't even know that those were things really yeah i just learned what they were like two years ago but like one day i just like woke up and was like i'm sad as shit like i just woke up one day and was like the stuff in the world is really heavy i don't know what it was it was almost just like Like somebody just pulled the blinds up and I was like, fuck. Mm. But I don't know where that came from. I had already had Emery at the time. So I was already a dad. Um, But I don't think that it was like, I didn't have this overwhelming worry that like, what kind of world was she growing up in or anything like that? I just woke up one day and was like, this is really hard. And so I would say I was for sure happier in high school, but I also think it was because I was so naive and I didn't understand what the world was like. And I almost feel like emotionally unprepared for what was ahead. Mm. And so I think that that's kind of what I try to give my kids is try to give them a very realistic outlook on the world and not quite treat them like adults because they're not ready for that but allow them to feel when things are kind of shitty because I want them to realize that, that that's kind of normal and that that will happen in your life. Right. 
And I think that maybe as a kid, my parents kind of did everything they could to give me the best life. But when you do that, it kind of hides all the hard things. For sure. And so I try to make a very conscious effort with my kids when something is hard to let them feel that without obviously like totally just burying them in like yeah you, you don't want to traumatize them you yeah. just want to give them a little a little microdose of reality a microdose of reality is what it is because i think that i was definitely missing that as mm. a kid did you get told no a lot to most things or um I'm definitely the no parent now. Like I say no all the time to my kids. Yeah. But I think that I, so I was an only child until I was 12. And so most of those formative years for me were just like me and my parents. Mm -hmm. And so my mom is very, and she still is to this day, like very involved. Um, even with my brother who is a senior now, like she's like very involved in his life when she's here and she's around, you know, her grandkids, she, from the minute the sun comes up to the sun goes down, she's like 100% attention on them and just like very focused and like make sure they have everything that they need. And just like, she's amazing. Like she does a really, really great job. Um, but I think that she's also afraid of like, like she wants to take all the pain away. Mm. And sometimes you need to like let them feel that pain a little bit. Pain is very useful. <laughs> it is. Pain's extremely useful. And that, that's what high school was for me. Okay. And yeah, that's why... That's kind of who I asked you about characters earlier. Yeah. And that's kind of who Fitbeard is. Okay. Because the, they are characters. All of my accounts do tend to be characters. Okay. Except for the Dan Galvan one. Right. You know? But yeah, high school me definitely felt things. Didn't didn't necessarily think about things. Did you listen to a lot of the used? A lot of the used? Yeah. A lot of like no emo stuff that no 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 i wasn't an emo guy so you weren't feeling that much i didn't have like you look like somebody who likes lincoln park <laughs> i think that's a compliment honestly it seems like a compliment but i'm not sure if you, you think also that's say a like, compliment you you could also love lincoln park i don't even know lincoln park songs really i couldn't name anything for you they right have now. four good ones i might be able to name one but i think it's a green day song <laughs> they're almost the same band am i wrong you are very wrong. Very They're wrong. very okay. different. Yeah. Green Day was more punk, I would say, than Linkin Park was. Linkin Park was, their lyrics were a little bit more emo. Mm. Right. That's where I was. The, uh, I didn't really have music either. As a kid? Yeah. Like I had the cassette tapes that my mom would play in the car or in the van, uh, which were Shania Twain. Uh, Ricky, was it Ricky Martin or Ricky? Is that why you got so stoked about that Shania Twain song at the wedding yesterday? Yeah, that's what I said. I don't know if you, you probably didn't hear me because we were next to those big speakers. I was like, is this Shania Twain? I was like, this reminds me of being in my mom's van. You look stoked about it. Yeah. My my dad used to call Shania Twain his girlfriend in front of my mom and she would just like lose her mind. I didn't, yeah, she was super hot on the cassette, (laughs) the cassette tape that my mom had for sure. I would look at that sometimes. (laughs) My dad told me that if my mom would let him, he would put a Shania Twain poster in the house. <laughs> He's got to have his little man. Does he work out? He needs to, he needs to get a gym. He just, does. Just get a gym and a guitar in the garage. That's a gym. Be cool. That's a gym poster for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy to me that you didn't listen to music a lot growing up. One time, one time I, before school, I learned that my dad had Jay-Z's first album 
in his CD collection. Mm. And so this explains so much. I learned it was there. And my dad's like really big into R&B. He listens to a lot of old rock like Steely Dan, um, Phil Collins, like just kind of like music like that. I don't even know what that genre is, like 80s rock, I guess. I don't even know that Colin. I have heard Steely Dan, but I pictured a steel guitar, like one of Kid the... Charl- Listen to Kid Charlie, it's a great song. Okay. Um, uh, Dire Straits, just a bunch of like old 80s bands. Anyway, with, uh, mixed with R&B. And so one day I was like, oh, my dad has a Jay-Z CD. This is so cool. And so I knew it was there for a few weeks, and then the school like ended. We had our last day of school, and I started summer camp at the Y. And so one day I like put my Walkman in my, in my backpack, and I was like, I'm going to grab that Jay-Z CD. And so, <laughs> and so I went down and I grabbed the Jay-Z CD and put it in my backpack and I went to YMCA camp, right? And so at this camp, we had to get on a school bus and it took us to wherever we were going for the day. And so on the school bus, I had my little like earphones or whatever. There was two of them. Mm-hmm. And me and this other girl, we were listening to like different music on the CD. And I was like, yo, guess what I got? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what? What do you got? <laughs> And I was like, no, take that Limp Biscuit CD out of the out of the Walkman. We're gonna play this Jay Z CD. Oh man! And so I was like, all right. And so I put it in, and I was like, oh, oh no, the battery's low. We're not gonna be able to listen to it very long. So let's just like let's just get to it. <laughs> <laughs> let's just get to it, girl. On the in the back of the bus, row R three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so we. <laughs> So it starts playing and we're like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like we're listening to explicit Jay-Z music right now on this bus and we're like nine years old. Oh boy. Oh, that is young. Okay. No, like we were young, young. Anyway, so like this, the school counselor, I'm sorry, the camp counselor would like walk up and down the bus, you know, make sure that like everybody was behaving or whatever. And for some reason, I don't know, we were probably like super obvious that we were listening to music that we shouldn't have been. (laughs) Because this camp counselor comes up and they go, hey, what are you guys listening to? And we were like, uh, and immediately I'm like, um, like super nervous because I know I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I, I don't lie. I can't lie at all. I'm bad at lying too. Yeah. I can't lie, I can't man. Do it. Lindsay loves it. Like I, she just like <laughs> asked me a question. I'll just like tell her what's going on. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> I was just like, um, she's like, they're like, what are you listening to? And I was like, um, do you want to listen to it? And they were like, yeah. And so I lean over and I like give them my earbud and they put it up to their ear and the Walkman dies. Oh, wow. Love it. See, <laughs> that's fantastic. So I guess that was probably the closest moment for me where I was like, maybe there is a guy. I was about to call back that too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, let him do it. Let him do it. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. That's about oh, as supernatural as it gets for me. That's amazing. That is amazing. I had a great question, but that moment of uh, dopamine just killed me. So I don't, I don't have that thought anymore. <laughs> Damn. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What other questions do you have? What else did you bring? What do you got? What did I bring? Let's see. Because I'm about to hit you with the same question. We probably are. Uh, we mentioned Sober October. You were very done with that. I've got self-doubt in here, self-doubt, imposter syndrome. Yeah. I, I feel like you have, I feel like you probably do have that sometimes. Yeah, for sure. But not always. I think it probably falls in line with, for me too, in, with the anxiety, depression um, cycle that seems yeah. to happen. I think it's a mental health thing and it's a lack of confidence when I feel that way. Yeah. I feel like my confidence kind of 
will take a hit at times. Um, and I, I notice that when I, my confidence is at its lowest, I have the least amount of faith in myself. And so I just like, I don't feel like I'm doing a good job at anything at that time. So it's not just photography. It's right. like, wow, like I'm kind of a shitty dad. Just a shitty person. In, like I'm bad at life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a rough, it's a rough feeling, but it's only temporary. And I feel like, so like four years ago, I think it was four years ago. I went in and saw a um, psychiatrist because I had tried a bunch of different antidepressants and was trying to figure out what works for me. And I don't take anything now. Like I just kind of just chill and like embrace those feelings and just like the ups and downs and I'm starting to expect them. And I know like when I'm going up and I know when I'm going down and I kind of feel that and I try to keep the big picture. You're good. Big picture in play. Um, but back then I wasn't quite there yet. So I was still working through a lot of that. And I went and saw a psychiatrist and I walked in and within five minutes maybe of talking to me, he told me I was bipolar. Really? Yeah. And so there was no like formal um, questionnaire or like conversation. It was more like he asked me like 10 questions and he was like, yeah, you're definitely bipolar type two. And And, so even to this day, I'm still like, am I, am I not? Like sometimes I feel that way. Sometimes I don't. Um, and so, like, I, I feel like a lot of what I, I deal with kind of surrounds, like, that mental health space. Mm-hmm. And I'm always thinking and trying to be very aware of, like, what's going on and, like, what's in my head and how, how do I feel. And so to have somebody come up to you and just, like, tell you straight up, like, oh, yeah, you're, you're definitely bipolar is, is weird. Because you don't know, like, like, I don't know, he's an expert. I feel like I should believe him. But right. at the same time... That's who you should be believing. But, right. But also, right. But at the same time, I want to, like, whatever I am, like, if that is some sort of formal diagnosis, I don't know, is 10 minutes enough time to tell somebody that they're bipolar? And had you just met him? Was this the first I meeting, too? I just met too? this dude. Within 10 minutes, he was like, you, minutes. you're definitely bipolar. Yes. I know exactly what's wrong with you. And he knew what medications to prescribe me almost immediately. Well, I, I wonder how much of that is the ego and wanting to know exactly what it is and wanting to just make money off of whatever he wants to prescribe you. So I looked this guy up. Mm, fun. And Here he's had lawsuits against him for pushing certain medications and for just like basically not being a great doctor. Mm. So you were but like, I didn't yes, see, lawsuit. But the thing is, <laughs> I didn't see those reviews when I was going into him because they are they weren't on like the on like your Google or Yelp reviews. Yeah. Like and I just like check a couple like oh, four above maybe. Like that's cool. Um but if you look deeper, like he had old stuff against him. Mm. Um and he was kind of like I don't know. Like looking at him, you'd be like, that guy probably isn't very sane. Mm, and he- so I sat down with him and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I trust this guy. Like he just, I don't know. I don't know if I can like explain how he looked without being judgmental. Safe space. Be judgmental. Safe space. No judging. Okay. From so- nobody. Not allowed. Safe space. Um, he was... Very, very unhealthy, um, not only physically, but mentally looking at him. I felt like he was like, his head was like, like he was very twitchy. Let's do this. Do you think he looked like Borat from yesterday? <laughs> no. Okay. Nothing, <laughs> nothing like that. But this guy was like 60, 
65 years old, maybe. Mm. Um, he had a wife who was maybe 25 and uh. they had a child together. Um, and his eyes were um, constantly like would cross over each other. Um, again, he was very overweight. He was very like um, brash, just very like I feel like he was taking all the drugs he was prescribing. <laughs> and okay. there's really no other way to say that other than he just didn't look like a sane and reasonable person but because he was a psychiatrist and a doctor i felt like this is somebody who i can trust and if he says i'm a bipolar then i agree right you if you see him in the pet food aisle at walmart you'd walk the other way yes right okay. right remember when we were saying uh, here in Austin, you can't tell if somebody's homeless or if they're a millionaire. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that. Like looking at him, you wouldn't know that he probably makes a whole bunch of money and he's a very successful doctor. Right. Um, just based on like first impression. Because my first impression of him was very, very rough. And I had probably five more visits with him and it never got any better. So like... Oh. I guess what I'm getting at is like I was told that I was bipolar and even to this day, like for three years, so from 2015 or 2016 to 2019, maybe last year, I was like, I'm definitely bipolar. Like I just need to accept it. Um, mental health kind of all over the place. And like he told me I am, so I am. Right. But now I'm like, you know, I don't know about that. Like I feel like I just have really bad days and I get in my own head and I spiral myself. And I think that it's probably just like my own doing and I just need to own it. And that has worked for me. That's what I was going to say. Did, do you feel like you took it upon yourself to kind of classify yourself in that way and, and put yourself in that box and, and in fact, check the box that, yes, this is why. And it just made it it was your reasonable way of being like, well, this always, makes sense. Like ghosts don't exist. And this is why. Yeah. Well, I've always been very open about it. So, like, if somebody were to ask me, like, you know, are you depressed? Are you anxious? Like, I'll, if I was feeling anxious or depressed, I would just straight up tell them yes. Right. Um, and, you know, I have been very public with being diagnosed as bipolar on social media. Like, I just tell people because, like, people can relate to that. Like, they understand um, that that's, that's a common thing. And so... I, I feel like I was trying to just like embrace what I was told. And I was like, this is what I am. I'm going to embrace it. And then three years later, I was like, I don't, I don't really know about that anymore. Like, I don't know if that's, if that's the case. Right. And so there's bipolar type one, which is very, like very, very, um, highly manic, highly depressive. It's almost like an extreme version. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, May somebody somebody who's bipolar type one would like make a ton of money, hide it in a different bank account, spend it on gambling and strippers and drugs and not tell their spouse. Mm -hmm. And then would like lay in bed maybe for two weeks, um, not leave the bedroom and just kind of like sleep it off. It sounds like Dennis Rodman to me. <laughs> right. Picturing Dennis Rodman. Right. So that's kind of like your stereotypical type one bipolar person coming from somebody who is a photographer and not a medical expert. Sure. Yes. Type two is a little bit more subtle. So it's like mood swings up and down going from, you know, these manic phases, which I do have and these depressive phases, which I do have as well. But I don't know if it's like something that I need to be medicated for because I've tried probably 20 medications and none of them have been useful for me. What has been useful is understanding like, 
if I had a great day yesterday and I feel like I'm starting to have a shitty day today, like I may just be like the next three days might be kind of shitty. And if I just embrace that and do the best I can, uh, three days later, I'll realize that I'll be coming on an upswing again. Right. And just like riding the riding those waves. And I feel like that's been the most useful thing for me from a mental health perspective. And I know that medication is useful for so many people, but I haven't found anything that has worked. Even cannabis for me has been hit or miss. Like sometimes mm. I, it'll throw me into like this crazy, anxious, paranoid state and it just like doesn't work. Like it, it throws me off and it makes my experience way worse than before I smoked. And I think that that's tricky because right now especially people are like oh cannabis like does everything like oh you tore your acl just rub some cbd yeah. oil on yeah it. yeah it's, like, it's long in every direction or just like go rip a bong and you'll feel good it's right. like and so that that um like people will like push that on you and so you'll like when you smoke you're like oh this is how i'm supposed to feel after i smoke this i'm gonna feel good mm-hmm. and you convince yourself that you do totally bypassing the fact that your like heart rate is like doubled sure over the the last hour and you're sweating yeah like you're convincing yourself that it's working when really it's just like bringing more of those insecurities and more of those issues that you're dealing with to the surface so don't you feel like you would be feeling um yeah, it's not working. It's not working. First of all, let me tell you. Sometimes it, I haven't smoked it, in like it's four not working months. for me right now. Not working. <laughs> Completely just lost what I was trying to say. But I know what I'm trying to say, and okay. it's ruining my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you feel like you're putting yourself in a in a box though? Because what you just what you said was you you feel that, but oh my god, the point is not coming out of my face right now. <laughs> Um, so I try not to put myself in that box. I think that like accepting the diagnosis was important to me and then just like working through it. But to label yourself as something that maybe, maybe that guy was wrong. Like, right. That's what I was trying to say. Like you're, you've, you're changing it. Like you're, you're being skeptical of this guy's point of view Skeptical of everything. Right. Exactly. But to be like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm trying not to like, I don't want to be the guy that like, oh, he said I'm bipolar and guess what? I'm definitely not like, I don't want it to, you know, I don't want to reject what he said because I think that in those 10 minutes, he told me something about myself that was really important. And he could tell that my mood was like, like one of the questions was like, do you feel like you have too many thoughts in your head at all times? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Like that's the thing. But could that be ADD, ADHD? I have no idea. Mm. Um, and then another thing he would be like, is he would say like, do you feel like you get really sad? And I was like, for, or do you get really sad for no reason? And I was like, yeah, but like, maybe there is a reason. Like maybe there has something, to be a reason, right? Like maybe something happened and I didn't like recognize it, but you can't work through all that in 10 minutes. And so I don't know. I, I guess I'm having a hard time now accepting that I'm bipolar when I've learned so much about myself and I've made so much progress and I no longer feel like I need to be medicated because I just accepted like, this is my reality. This is how my brain works. And I just need to ride it out sometimes. Mm. How did you come to that conclusion? Like what made you 
start feeling that you should maybe, that's what I was trying to say earlier is like, it sounds like you just accepted the box that somebody put you in. And like, what have you been doing that has been bringing you out of that box recently? So I think at the beginning I accepted it. Um, just because like, I felt like that was important to do. Um, but like the more, time that passed I think my wife kind of noticed these trends in me and she would notice that I would have like really good days and then I would have really bad days and there would be anywhere from three days to ten days in between them and it was kind of like a like this up and down Mm -hmm. and so you know when you live with somebody for 12 11 years like a long ass time they notice things about you that you don't notice about yourself And so she kind of like told me like, hey, I noticed you did this and I noticed you did this. I noticed that some nights you will walk in your sleep and you'll talk in your sleep. And then sometimes you will just like not move all night. And so like she has noticed so much about me that I don't even know because I'm not conscious during those times. And so I think that having her like point these things out to me was really important. And I don't know if I would have like come to that like realization without her. Those are both sleep examples. Yeah. So in your like, is there anything that, like you just put that together yourself that maybe I should try to do some other things? No, I think that she, like she was the one who was like, so for example, three years ago, if I would have a bad day, I would sit down and try and figure out why I was having a bad day and like break the whole day apart and overanalyze everything and internalize and spiral. And it was just like a really, really bad place to be. And now when I have a day like that, where I'm like, I'm just kind of having like, I just don't feel happy. She'll be like, this happens to you like two or three times a month. Like you get these lows Mm. and even just acknowledging like, holy shit, you're right. Like this has happened to me a whole bunch of times. But in that moment, you don't know that. Like you don't recognize everything that you had like been through before because you're so caught up in that specific moment and trying to break it down and figure out what's going on. Um, But like having somebody like her be able to, to tell me like, I've noticed these patterns in you. It really helped me kind of, kind of figure that out. Right. Wake up. Yeah. Yeah. See that. Yeah. And it's like, Hey, like you might feel like you're dying right now, but you're definitely not. And in three days, you're going to be like jumping off a cliff, doing backflips. And just you just need to get to that point. Speaking of which, I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to do any backflips into the thing that you you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned water the other day. Yeah. Some, some sort of I don't even remember what you said, but it was. Yeah, I told you we should go. Um, there's some bridges downtown that you right, can Right, jump jumping off, off bridges. Yeah. This man wants me to jump off bridges. Mm-hmm. The the thing that all of our parents warned us about. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can do it. I think it'd be great. This is how you get me to do it, too. <laughs> you just tell me that I'll be go- that I'll be really good at it and then I'll try it. It's really fun, honestly. I think you'd enjoy it. I mean, it it would be terrifying for me. Um Sometimes you just need to do dangerous things. I mean, I did write a song what's called the, Dangerous Fun, but I don't know that I live by those words. What's the most <laughs> What's the most physically dangerous thing you've done in the last few months? 
Um, ooh, the last few months. The last few months have been a lot of being in my house. Or a year. My apartment. Or um, a year. Like, what's the most dangerous thing that you can remember yourself doing recently? Definitely doesn't have anything to do with, like, adventure things. Dangerous so You're, you're things. not a risk taker. It's not that I'm not a risk taker. It's that I'm not uh, presented with risk often. I tend to have a controlled environment and stay home. And Like, I was quarantining before quarantine was the thing. Right, uh, you're a hipster. It was just nothing. No, not because I'm a hipster. Because <laughs> I don't go out much, that's all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I did do it first. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you can't think of anything? I can't think of anything, no. Jumping off a cliff, jumping off a bridge. No, I don't jump. I don't no? Know. No, nothing. Nothing I can think of. I don't drink and drive anymore, really. Oh, good so. for you, man. That's gonna, good. Me either. going to hang out. That's good. Here until this is passed, but yeah. So what about yeah, yourself? I don't know, man. I think like jumping off bridges, jumping off cliffs, into water, of course. You've you've done this in the last few months. Um, it's probably been about a year since I've gone cliff jumping, but you know the type of work that I do, we're always like sometimes trespassing, sometimes mm. jumping fences. Okay, just like stuff like that where I'm like. Nobody's life is at risk here unless some Texan with a gun comes running out. Sure. But like sometimes doing things that are a little bit dangerous is cool. It gives you a little bit of life. Sure. I guess I didn't calculate that as being dangerous. Maybe dangerous isn't the right word. Yeah. But just like. Because I've definitely trespassed. <laughs> like just like pushing the limit. I know you like to like yeah. fly your drone in the city and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, that's actually definitely one of the most dangerous things that I've tried recently. It was like I was working with this brand and they took me to a place right next to an airport and uh i tried to take off but it wouldn't let me like i was gonna risk the five thousand dollar fine and federal prison time that i could be faced with but <laughs> i didn't because it wouldn't let me nice well good for you man i'm yeah. proud of you yeah you've grown a lot <laughs> in a couple of years that i've known you right that was one of that was the that was supposed to be the first question that i asked you a long time ago yeah uh, is impressions of me pre talking to me and knowing me to the degree you do now uh, versus your opinion now. Sure. You want to go here? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what's the best way to say this? Well, I think you met fit beard is my point. I think so too. Yeah. So I think when I met you, my main focus was like, oh, this dude's just like super active and super fit and, they, and you are. But I don't know when you find the time to work out. Like, it seems like you work out like once or twice a day, but I don't feel like you do. It's definitely not twice a day. I'll tell you that much. I definitely don't work out twice a day. I feel, I don't know how you stay so like in shape. I feel like you just eat well. And I don't know if it's eating well or it's just like not spending food, uh, spending money on food when you eat out. Both. Yeah, I eat. I feel like you are the type of person who would go a full day without eating instead of just like grabbing a cheeseburger. I haven't eaten today. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, I'm actually cooking dinner right now and you can eat after this. That's a, you have a beautiful soul. Yeah, of course. Um, so my first impression meeting you, I was like, he's super fit. He's super active. Um, he's good at video. I could tell that you were a little inexperienced because like some of the gear that you had was just like not quite where like some other videographers I've seen, but the product that you were putting out for the gear you had was like really impressive. Mm. 
And so I think that that's why I recommended you to people like Amos and to Ali and to those guys. Cause I was like, he's like getting started, but he clearly has a grasp on it from YouTube university or wherever <laughs> yeah. you learned like everything yeah, yeah. that you know. Cause like you get like timing of footage to music and your composition is really good. And like you, you get to have a really good feel for that. And for like my opinion of you now is like very much the same. But now I'm just like, Dan is so single. Like, Dan, is, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, Dan, Dan just needs a girlfriend to just like fuck his life up. I'm like, he has that's what I got out of. I don't need that at all. That's the opposite. Do not. I, I don't want any drama. <laughs> I don't know, man. I tried to hook you up with that barista yesterday, but it didn't work out. We'll have to go back. <laughs> Was that was that you trying? No, it was a very like half-assed attempt. Um, You're like, let me just say words. Let me just answer her questions. Yeah, and maybe she'll be interested in Dan. <laughs> the most passive. Oh my goodness. Oh god. This is a good pick. This IPA is awesome. Traveling man. From Adelbert's. I really did not know. I thought they were from like Michigan or something. Or uh, not Michigan, but Pacific Northwest. What's the... It says proudly brewed in Austin, Texas right on it. No, I know. I didn't. It was it was a prior knowledge okay. from beer snobbery life. I do have my name in a bar somewhere for drinking 200 beers. Yeah, uh, that, that's... Um, flying Saucer. Flying Saucer, yeah. yeah. I haven't been there in a very long time either. Speaking of going places, where... When's the next time you're traveling? Do you have anything on the books? Any plans to uh, visit family or friends or work? Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll be in my hometown for Christmas and possibly Thanksgiving. I'm not sure yet. Um, but yeah, I guess that would just be that. I think there was some retreat that Katie was trying to put together. Yeah. I uh, don't know. I don't know where or when that is. I don't know if she knows where or when that is. That yeah. seems to be... Her thing, just putting things together on the fly and just making it some it sort of fun and event. It works, and it works. That's what she does. It works know. out, right? Um, other, than, other than that, no, I don't know. Yeah. What about yourself? It's cool. Um, you know, I have a lot of weddings booked that are kind of all over. Um, half of them have been rescheduled, so I feel like the second time they'll definitely work out. Um, you know, people are kind of, after they reschedule once, they're like, oh, we're just going to push forward. We'll have less guests. We'll do whatever we need to do, but we're not going to move it again. Yeah. So we we actually talked about taking the girls to Disney World Fun. in December, um, right before New Year's. So we might do that and then maybe take a little trip. We're really trying to go to Spain, but I don't think that's going to work because the whole international travel thing is kind of still rough and it's probably mm. going to get more rough as things get colder. Um, but as far as work goes, I've got... I have a wedding in Napa Valley, which will be really fun. That would be fun. I have a wedding in... Vermont, which is cool. I'm going to hang out with Bernie. I was going to do a Bernie impression, but I couldn't find it. I was like about to, it's a very muted nasally voice. It's yeah, muted and nasal. For sure. Um, I have another wedding in Philadelphia, which is really exciting. That'll be around Christmas time in 2021. Oh, it's way out there. Okay. That one's, yeah, it was supposed to be this December, but it was pushed to next December. So wait, are you already in 2022 then? Because of all booking. the pushes? Yeah. Uh, well, I have people booking not even reschedules, just people already booking 2022. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, it's hard to uh, hard to keep up with that. That's pretty cool, though. But yeah, I mean, for somebody who has trouble committing like what they're doing that evening, committing years in advance for me is a really good step and shows a lot of growth. Is that a thing for you? You have a hard commitment thing? Because you asked me yesterday, when's good for you? And I'm like, I don't I don't know, dude. Well, I'm I'm like here right now. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So I think that the thing when you're married is like, not only are you committing for yourself, but you're committing for your spouse. Right. So when I say like, yeah, three o'clock works, that means that like, oh, like I'm not going to be around for a few hours and uh, you're going to have to take the kids to cheer and Mm -hmm. you're going to have to pick them up from cheer and you're going to have to finish up dinner and you're going to have to like, so like even small things, it requires you have to think like five times as hard. Right. Even there's one other person involved. Right. Um, so I think from a work perspective, it's a little bit different and it's not as bad. Um, but if you were like, Hey, do you want to go see a movie in three weeks? I'd be like, no, like we'll figure that out when we, I don't know. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. No, that makes sense. I have to pee really bad. Go ahead. Okay. I just want to know how hard it is to be a dad. I don't know, man. It's kind of tough. I mean, you did it young. Very young. So right. I don't my, even know what, 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 how old were you again? So I was 19 when we learned she was pregnant. Lindsay was 21. And so 19 when I learned she was pregnant and 20 when Emery was born. So very, very young. Um, I think the hardest part is like trying to do everything right and doing things that help them while realizing you're still fucking things up along the way. So... That example with my parents earlier where like my mom like wanted to make my life as easy as possible and like um, do everything she could to make sure that I was like taken care of and like occupied 24 hours, well, 16 hours a day. And like, you know, like everything she you do as a parent is like trying to be in their best interest, but you don't it's like you don't know everything you did wrong until it's like after the fact right and so i haven't had any of those like after the fact things like maybe maybe that wasn't a good idea just yet but i'm sure it's coming like you can't do everything perfectly no matter who like no parent in the history of parenting has ever done everything perfectly and so i'm just kind of i guess waiting to see like so there's nothing that you would say that that you would like have a a hack for like thinking back on what you could have done um, to make it easier. I can't think of an immediate hack. Um, I can tell you that we started giving the kids responsibility at a very young age where like, even if it were something like say they're three years old and they say they want a snack and you were going to just go get them an applesauce from the pantry and put it on the table for them and give them a spoon and, you know? Right. You're like, Instead do the dishes of, first. In, no. Okay. Not quite. <laughs> Instead of me getting up and getting them an applesauce and getting them a spoon and a napkin and putting it on the table and picking them up and putting them in their chair. So, yeah, why don't you go grab an applesauce from the pantry, grab a spoon and a napkin and go sit down. Mm. And so that teaches them, like, oh my God, like I have some independence and I can do these things. And it's within reason, right? Like you're telling them what they can do, but it's enough for them to feel like 
they're capable Mm -hmm. and not like you're just doing everything for them. So all of a sudden they're going to be 18 years old and they haven't had to do anything for themselves. Sure. Like they, you know, and that obviously picks up. It's not like 17 year old, like, why don't you get an applesauce? Right. (laughs) It's just like that evolves over time. But it's, it's important to like, to make sure that they, they're, they realize that they can do these things. And so now my kids are 10 and eight and we let them take the dogs down to the dog park together. Um, and that teaches them like, you know, stay away from people with other dogs. If you've never met them before, you don't know how the dogs are going to react. It's like you have to raise them in a way where they understand that like they can do things and they have confidence because if you do everything for them, they are going to have zero confidence that they can they can do these things. And if they do have confidence, it's going to be totally blind because they have never done anything in their whole life. Right. Huh. So I think giving them responsibility is probably my number one thing. Speaking of responsibility, I think I see one. <laughs> do you see one around here? I, I think I just saw her taking the dogs for a walk. I could be wrong. I saw a child with like at least two dogs. Yeah. She may have run down here. Oh. And done that. So... I think that that's probably like the biggest thing is they're so self-sufficient. I have the best kids in the world. And you really do though. Honestly, they're, so, they're yeah. the sweetest kids. They're so cool, man. Like, they seem like people too. And I think definitely that's what people. I was trying to say yesterday when I said, you guys are so cool yeah. in the kitchen. I was like, your kids feel like humans. They're not, and they seem to communicate really well. And they seem very acclimated to making eye contact and talking to people. They are. I, I didn't, do that. <laughs> I make sure that they do. Um, what well, is that an overcompensation times, from yourself? Like, do you feel like you didn't get that? And so you want to make sure? I mean, I think so in a way, but I was, I was also a pretty confident kid. So maybe not entirely, but I noticed that like when my wife, like say we're at a restaurant and my like wife is ordering with the waiter, mm-hmm. she'll like, look at me and she'll be like, I think I want like, so waiters <laughs> over here. And she'll be like, mm-hmm. I think I want the, um, I think I want the pork shoulder. Like, I think I really, I think I'll take that. And I'm just like, <laughs> like I'm pointing like to, at her to like, look at the waiter. And I feel like I have to do the same thing with the kids. Oh, like I'm, I feel like I'm constantly redirecting people. And I don't know why people's eyes like draw to me in situations like that. Mm. But I, f- I feel like I'm constantly like telling people where to look. Interesting. Yeah. Like with the kids and it's definitely like I'm the least aggressive person ever. So I know it's not like a fear thing, but that thought has run through my head. Like, why do people look at me when they're talking to somebody else? Like it makes them look so passive when they're looking at me. Yeah. But that's not it. But I'm con- I don't well, know. I, I, just, I think like, you I have a certain like, composure about you. Yeah. I feel like uh, I draw people's attention all of the time. And my uh, wife is very, uh, she's somewhat anxious. So I feel like looking at me gives her comfort. Mm. And so I'm reminding her like, no, like tell him. Right. <laughs> That's see, I was your wife when I was not, not I was your wife when I was a 10 year old, but <laughs> we had the same shit. The same, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I would have my brother order for me. Okay. Cause you were afraid. Not even that I was afraid. I just didn't want to talk to people sometimes. Okay. Yeah. So very introverted. Sp- specifically with like waiter issue. Like I didn't get my barbecue sauce. I didn't want to go up to the counter and ask for my barbecue sauce from Burger King. Okay. My parents would make us go and I would always be like, can you go get it for me? Little brother? So is that you being lazy or is that you being afraid of interaction? I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit... I don't think it was lazy. And it, thinking back on it, sounds lazy. sounds super lazy. For sure. I'm pretty sure that I just didn't want to have that interaction with people. And I, I was never really forced to look people in the eye or any yeah. of that kind of thing. I had to do that myself. 
Yeah, man. Parenting's hard. It's tough. Like running a business that's become, you know, full time and whatever the thing beyond full time is, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Lindsay has been in law school for the last three years. So I had to pick up on a lot of like the running the kids to cheer and stuff because for the first two of those years, she was working too. So she would work eight hours, then drive straight to school and be there for three or four hours and then drive home. And so like life was so crazy for so long. And it's just really important to like we (laughs) relied on the kids quite a bit to do their own stuff. Like I cook pretty much every meal. I would say, you know, six out of the seven meals we have, I cook. Yeah. Um, So like, yeah, I don't really get a whole lot of free time. I'm either parenting or being a dad or I'm working. That's kind of kind of how it goes. Or I'm running. Yeah. I was laughing a second ago because it was like, all right. And the second she got her bar thing, you're like down here drinking beers with me. And you're like, all right, four <laughs> years right. are done. See ya. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. Trophy husband now, but like participation trophy husband. <laughs> um, last question, then I'll wrap this up. Just, yeah. uh, being a big brother, you're a big brother and I'm mm-hmm. a big brother and I don't know that I've always been the best big brother. I've always, my heart's always been in the right place, but sometimes I can be selfish and you, I mean, our situations are much different because my brother's only three years old, uh, younger than me, but Mm -hmm. I was having a conversation with my friend Ian yesterday and he was saying how he, he told me that I told him some, something about my brother, just like, because we're all close. And, uh, so my brother's going through some things currently. He's, he, he just had a child and, um, it's just been hard. Yeah. Um, where's my phone? I, I think I, I have to turn I, that alarm off. I don't know. Um, I have no idea where it is. Is it in here? Oh, it's right here. There it is. Your friend Ian. Yeah. Yeah. My friend Ian and my brother. Uh, yeah. So my brother has some things, how he's, he's having a child. And so I, in the past have felt like I haven't always been like the most supportive I've always cared. I love the guy. I love my brother dearly and I would help him however I can. I just tend to let people figure out things for themselves, for themselves. Cause I feel like that's what I did. And that's what high school was for me. I told you I was the crying guy and I figured it out myself. Like right. it just takes time. Yeah. Um, but my friend told me that, Oh, you just got to be supportive. And I'm like, Oh, well, what does that mean? Like I asked him the same question. What does being a supportive big brother mean to you? Like, how do you do that? Yeah. Like maybe I just don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I, I want to, but I don't know. So I am 12 years older than yeah. my brother. So I feel like I've always, I was kind of raised in a way where like not because of my parents doing, but just because of the age gap, I feel like I was more of a guardian than a brother. Same. But I punched somebody three, for my brother. Okay. I, I made him lose his breath. And that could also be like a brother thing though. I guess. Like, like, I was, like, helping change my brother's diapers and stuff. Ah, uh, like, right. Because I was a teenager when he was in diapers. Right. So, like, I was able to help and be involved in all that stuff. And so I think for me, like, being a supportive big brother for him right now is he is about to turn 18. He's trying to figure out where he's going to go to college. He's trying to figure out if he's going to run competitively. Um. He has a girlfriend, so he's trying to figure out like what their plans are long term. And so a lot of our conversations are very mature and they're based on like what's best for him. And mm-hmm. 
not only in the short term, but primarily the long term. And so I feel like I get to have quite a bit of a say. And I know that he values my opinion because I've already been through like I'm 12 years older than him, but I'm like 30 years ahead of him in experience because of everything that like I've been through with, you know, being married and having kids and a business owner and doing all that stuff. And so I feel like I have a lot of good advice for him. And the cool thing about being supportive is that he like he appreciates that. And I've yet to tell him something and he'd be like, well, thanks, but no thanks. Like Mm -hmm. he always takes it into consideration and he's very level headed. So I feel like he applies what I tell him to um, a reasonable level, which is cool. That is good. Yeah. I don't know. Your brother sounds like a very reasonable guy, even if you didn't exist. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Well... Don't get ahead of yourself. Okay. He stole my dad's truck. Like, <laughs> Okay, so we do have the same brother. <laughs> he stole my dad's truck three years ago to go to his girlfriend's house, and he got pulled over by the police for driving the wrong way down a highway. So My brother took out like 80,000 people's lights and electricity because he ran into a power outlet thing, whatever it's called. I don't know. Younger brothers are just dumb, man. <laughs> like, you just have to like recognize that. That's crazy. Oh, man. Cool, man. All well, right. We should, uh, that, so that alarm was actually for the um, pork shoulder that I have in the oven. So we should go up and take care of that and we'll eat it for dinner. Great. That sounds like a good idea. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. See ya. See ya. <laughs>